live? Good morning. Good morning, Shane Bailey. How are you? I'm grumpy. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> I'm actually not grumpy. Why are you grumpy? Tired, exhausted. I'm finding out. I was going to tell you this before while we were talking before the podcast. Yeah. I'm finding out as I'm getting older. You're getting older? Fuck. Yes. <laughs> the mental rest is so important. Like, I just, dude, I have to sit down and shut the brain off. To, I, well, okay, to find mental rest, like, just nothing. Because I think when you go through, especially, okay, when you turn 40, which Oof, we've all done. That hurts. Um, about to be 41 at the end of the month, so I look forward to you planning my birthday party. Yeah, yeah, um, I will. <laughs> hey, guess what? Is, um, <laughs> is like, the precipice of your professional career. Right. I don't know what if the facts right or not, but you you make the majority of your money, your overall wealth between like forty five and sixty. Right. Mm, so everything that you that. do, yeah, everything that you're doing up until and that's just the average. Or actually, I'm quoting stuff I don't even know specifically, <laughs> but I'm right. pretty sure something about what I'm saying is accurate. It's uh, so everything else is priming to all of a sudden get that one big raise or that one big promotion yeah. or to have enough money that you start to be like passively investing and you start making money. Or that's the idea, at least. Or for the people who do, that seems yeah. to be the age. Congratulations to those people that have figured that out yet. And so I'm attempting to do all of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. To set myself up to hit like 45, 44, whatever. And so it just never shuts off. I'm trying to like constantly figure out where do I invest not only my time or my money or how much do I need to save to do it or what are the other side hustles that I can do to start building that available capital to do X, Y, Z. And then, of course, you have a job and I want to do well in my job and I want to be recognized so I'm in the conversation for more responsibility, which comes with more money. And it's just this vicious cycle of mental exhaustion and then it's just like okay i gotta come home and i gotta turn all that off instantly because four yes exactly <laughs> like daddy you play it and like oh my god i just walked in the door and i'm holding 14 things i'm literally in my right now thinking about how to shut off portfolio performance <laughs> and enter into fort building mm-hmm. right and then it's like okay i'm gonna do that give mom a break and do the whole thing mm-hmm. and then it hits like nine o'clock and you're like i'm exhausted i want to go to bed yeah. i'm just exhausted whip but if you go to bed, and this is my problem, by the way, if you go to bed and, I, and then I don't know I'm asleep, right? So then well, I just no, wake up. I don't up think anybody knows they're asleep when they're sleeping. <laughs> True. <laughs> and then I just wake up and it starts all over again. So it's like I need to have conscious mental rest. I need yeah. to sit down and say, I'm resting. I'm, I'm turning it off. There's, there's that like intermediate part of the evening where it's before you lay down and close your eyes that you're just basically downloading everything from the day but you don't have time to do that right until the house is quiet and peaceful yeah and i and that's the time if you want to start thinking about n- other things right right which is me right i'm just wired to sit down and go on a deep dive onto you know carbon yeah. Or to whatever, and I think we talked about in the previous podcast, but I just, I end up wanting to read stuff or I have a thought and I want to try to play that thought out and see what it looks like and, you know, um, 
and it's just exhausting. So what happens is when I don't get, I think, mental breaks or even like an emotional break, and it's not like a vacation or anything. It's just taking a break, you know, just be dumb for a minute. That, of course, that implies that I'm smart. I'm not saying that, <clears throat> but I am. Um, Dumber than you were. <laughs> yeah. It's just like I need to have that time where it's just like, oh, man, I'm just going to. I don't know, play some Call of Duty mm-hmm. and uh, maybe clip my toenails mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever. And just, I'm not thinking about anything, really. Anyways, I've gone on a long, I've gone on, since our last podcast, I've gone on quite a mental stretch of buying a house, flipping a house in the kind of process. Uh, work has been busy. School is starting. Mm, God, you I know, can't believe the that's podcast, you know, all these things. Um just trying to manage all of that stuff has been pretty exhausting. So I'm tired this morning. Mm-hmm. And, and we started earlier. Started earlier. Yeah. And I'm a morning person in I general. Am too. I am so too. it's fine. I haven't slept just as well lately though. Take so that feels coffee weird. pot and hmm. hook it up to an IV and just drag it around. Just shoot it right in my vein. That's right. <laughs> all right, what do we want to talk about, Shane? Whoa. Podcast number two. Built by Bailey's episode two. Um, thank you. Thank to you, Confluence SBC. Our sponsor yep. for having us here in this actually bigger room this time. I like this room, Tom. We're upgrading, um, baby. I'd like uh, I like to keep using this room, so please don't uh, don't give it away to anybody else. You guys are looking for uh, office space by the week, by the month, by the year. It's a co-working space. It's the best in Boulder County. ConfluenceSBC.com. Look them up. They are fantastic. I don't know if we're gonna make the trek upstairs for beer today. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, but we're probably. here and we love it. Um, and yeah, today we would like to delve into the topic of house flipping mm. and what does that mean. And by the way, I just for the record, I don't like the term flipping. It's a, it's kind of weird. I mean, what do it's? It reminds me, what is it? Bottle flipping? But we're doing we're flipping <clears throat> houses. It's also a saturated term. It's a very saturated yeah. term. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's um. It's an interesting, I'm not going to call it a profession. Would you call it a profession? I mean, it is now, I guess. People make it a profession. They do, and they do well at it. Yeah. Uh-huh. We, I would say we were at a point where we're making it a profession. No, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there are people who can passively do it. I think there are people who can, well, it's just like pretty much anything. How much time do you want to put into it? If you want right. to actually make it a thing, you know take a hobby and if you want to actually try to monetize the hobby and do it all the time then Mm -hmm. it becomes a profession otherwise it could be a hobby right and also thank you to everybody who downloaded our first episode yeah Um, thank you for the support if you haven't yet hit that smash smash that button on subscribe um yeah that helps us out yeah please get this thing going and the more that we get support through this the more that we can start bringing in other people um of quality (laughs) <laughs> or as I say that in the first we're person not going to be is like, dude, are you saying I'm not quality? <laughs> not yet, Brad. We don't have a thousand downloads a month. <laughs> yeah, so you're all I can afford. That's all I got right now. <laughs> Work with me. Uh, we can bring in more significant people to have larger conversations. So the more right. that we have support, the more that we can branch out and we can grab other people and bring them in here. Um, so all of it just helps. And just the support that you guys have helps. And thanks for everyone who gave us the feedback. We're going to take some of that feedback. And this is just an organic process that we're going to go through where we're going to make changes as we go. So Yeah, bear um, with us. It gets better. I mean, you know you know who we are if you're listening. It's because you know who we are. If you don't know who we are, then keep listening. Yeah, please. Because <laughs> you'll figure it out. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> wives. 
Yeah, um, just hinting at, you know, hey, mom. She told me that uh, I, I called Connie. her. Connie. I called her last week to kind of check in. She's going through some rough stuff too. So, um, But I, I had asked her if she had started listening to the podcast yet. And you know what she told me? Oh. I'm calling bullshit on you, Connie. She said, I don't have the app. Oh, Lord. And I told her, Mom, you have an iPhone. We're on <laughs> iTunes. The app comes standard with the phone. You can't actually delete it. Yeah. At least not that I'm aware of. Yeah. So, she Connie, know. episode two, um, you can try this one. Maybe She's so better. pretty. <laughs> I love her. Stop kissing her ass. She still hates you. No. She loves no. Evan. That's how I know she loves me. <laughs> so she tells me she hates me. Um, so anyways, thank you guys for, for doing all that. All right. Do you want to start with the term house flipping? So let's yeah. set a real basic foundation. Everybody knows it, right? Okay. You buy yes. a home mm-hmm. under value. Right. Or that's the idea. That's the idea. And then you fix it up. Make uh-huh. it look pretty, and you put it back on the market for sale for more money. Right. Right? More and money than you've just invested in. Right. Okay? So pretty simple stuff. So Shane and I, we talked about this before. We flipped houses. Um, but what do you want to uh, – So okay, look, baseline. Baseline set. Right. <laughs> so or do you want to – what do you want to talk about? Well, I you think a cu- couple things that um, I think were kind of – as I kind of preface what we might be talking about in this episode, people are kind of asking, there's a lot of people that are interested in getting into it. Mm -hmm. Right. And they know that we did it for years. Mm -hmm. Um, They wanted to know how we were so successful at it. And I laughed when they said that I said, well, we define successful. Right. We got rid of them. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We know we made money on some for sure. Um, And it was, it was certainly a learning experience for every single one of them. The Mm -hmm. ones we didn't make money on the ones we did, we did really well Mm -hmm. on. Um, you learn every time, but how do you get into the market? How do you do it? Um, and when should you do it? There's all these terms that kind of float around. How do you do it? Well, yeah. How, how do you flip a house? What, what is, what does that entail? Do I have to know how to, how to build a house? Do I have to know how to use tools? Do I, you know, all these things come up. Um, and so I think we can go into it, you know, maybe divide it up in half first for the people that are looking to kind of maybe get more information to make a decision as they're going to do it or not. And then, um, the other half is, is what's happened, you know, with us and the markets we were in, um, you know, across the country, the markets and kind of define, I mean, we throw some stats at, mm-hmm. at the group here and, and kind of talk about what that might mean as far as, you know, getting the right numbers, what we did, mm-hmm. Um, when we were valuing a home, what is an ARV, all that mm-hmm. fun stuff that mm-hmm. comes with it. Um, cause there's some questions out there and, and, um, I don't know. It's, do you think it's a good market to flip right now? Well, that's the thing is if you look at the overall market, market's even a funny word. And we're some, talking about Colorado. So if we're, you know, as we're going national, um, we're talking about Colorado market right now. <laughs> I like that. Well, here's the thing. There's so many phrases and terminology and vernacular that goes through that gets get, gets bulldozed over right like we just say market right right well there's the national market there's uh-huh. the overall housing market there is your geographically or regionalized market um, a hot school district could produce a market right right in your town or city or whatever yeah um the 
so market is a really loose, vague term that, you know, people ask you and I all the time, like, how's the market? How's the market? Right. It's like, well, what market are you talking about? Um, are you talking yeah, about the overall housing market? Are you talking about new construction market? Sure. Are you, what are we do? And, and what part of the state are we talking about? I mean, there's right. there's Denver proper. Right. There's the city of Boulder. There's the city of Lafayette. There's the city mm-hmm. of Louisville. There's Erie. There's Broomfield. Wheat Ridge is, you know, turning a corner. There's, there's lots of weird, bubbly markets uh, just within Colorado right now. And there's, I mean, you know, there's a million people literally mm-hmm. moving out to this state all the time. Mm-hmm. It is insanely busy. It is insanely capitalistic, I would call it right mm-hmm. now. Um, but there's areas that, you know, within even, we're here in Lafayette, there's within the city of Lafayette that haven't changed since right. everything has, I mean, there's a huge appreciation, but the, the value of homes in this area is insane. And here's the thing too. <clears throat> There are, because house flipping, right, first of all, we talked about in the first episode HGTV, and we went through all that kind of stuff, and how that's kind of affected the mentality of, you know, a, a consumer or a person thinking about going into this business, right? Or, yeah. But you can go to YouTube, and you can watch a thousand videos on how to flip a house, Right. True. The financials about it. There are seminars. Some of the HGTV people come rolling through town and do a seminar and how to be a millionaire flipping houses. And there's all these real clickbaity type um, things. I watched a couple of these just over the last couple of days just to kind of gauge what's available. And here was my takeaway from the whole thing is if we're going to get on and talk about flipping houses... I didn't know whether or not we should say, look, here's our idea on how to flip a house. Uh-huh. Here's what we think is the process you should go and um, evaluating a potential product, establishing ARVs, thinking about budget, construction, time restraints, what kind of costs are associated in it. Um, and I'm like, there's so many of these things. Um, and maybe it's just whether I should or or I've thought about it or is this good on the side or I want to switch careers. There's right. so many different directions you can do this. We could literally talk about this for like five hours. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Yeah. And my big takeaway was every single one of these videos that I saw ended up in two scenarios. Scenario number one was buy my book or subscribe to my, right. you know, to get the rest of the information. Come to my seminar. Come to my seminar. Do whatever this. Which is like, that is just leeching to me. It's just Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to take this thing that people think is great and it's building steam and a lot of people either like one degree of separation, either know somebody who's flipping houses successfully or, you know, something of that sort. And they want to do it too. And I have money. And they're just trying to make money off of those people who are interested in doing it. Like they may not even be actually flipping houses anymore. They have this whole how to flip houses consulting almost. Mm -hmm. The other one was it went through all the numbers and a lot of them, people come up with different ways to break down a potential product or a project. And, but they never explain how the hell you get the money to be able to actually buy a home. Right. Right. Or they would just say investors or they would say, you know, if you're going to put your money and it's like, well, how do I get that money? I'm buying a home. Right. Right. So I have a current mortgage. I have a little bit. Should I take out a second mortgage or should I, you know, um, do some sort of like 
refi cash out and use that and go get a traditional. So I get a hard money lender. Like they never talk about that. Right. How, yeah. How do, you how do I actually money? buy a home? Right. And let alone evaluate it and renovate it and sell it and all this stuff like that all sounds great. That implies that I have all this money. Um, so would you call that like step one of the business? If you, let's say someone's committed to, I want to try this out. Okay. hundred percent. Great. So what do I do? Well, you need money. You got to buy it. I mean, you got to pay for it. You got to pay <laughs> no, for the hundred percent. Yeah. You can, you could look, I have this amazing idea for a business. It's called a time machine. I think it would be huge. I haven't, you know, number one, I can learn all about how to do it, but if I don't have money to hire people who actually know how to build the technology, then what, what's the point? What's the point? So I, I don't know. I, I think absolutely number one is your financial situation, mm-hmm. right? And how to figure out how to get money. And so you can, do you have to be rich to, to flip a house? You don't have to be rich, but you have to have access to, you either have to have the right financial um, makeup, right? To where you can go borrow the money, right? You right. have to, or you have to have a very supportive community around you that is, has some sort of cash liquidity, if you will, that can right. give you the cash to do it. And that's, by the way, how we got started. So, yeah, I think what we could do is we could briefly kind of talk about the way we, we got into it and what, what we did. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, I'd like to kind of lean on you a little bit on the financial side mm-hmm. as far as other options mm-hmm. um, to, to get money, to go raise capital, literally. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether that's through a bank, private investor, um, you know, is it a good idea to use a hard money lender or not? Mm-hmm. What does that look like right mm-hmm. now? I mean, with everything that's moving, at least again, locally in the Colorado market, market in quotation mm-hmm. marks, um, there are, I would say more opportunities with lenders to kind of, I would, and definitely at a cheaper rate than what we were dealing with or looking at, um, when we were doing it and there, there's opportunity there, but you know, again, we'll, we'll get into kind of breaking down that formula of, or even if you're borrowing money at four and a half percent to go do something like this, does that mean you're guaranteed to, to make a profit? I mean, there's so many more steps after that, but like you said, step one, you got to have money. You got to have money to do it. You got to buy it's your a own house. or somebody else's. You got to pay a contractor. Yep. You got to have money set aside for holding cost and for mm-hmm. overhead expenses, utilities and whatever. Right? Yeah. We'll call, talk about holding costs. What does that really mean? What is that wrapped up in? There's, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of subcategories of that. Of Let's that. talk about the finances real quick. Yeah. So if you if you want to buy a house and you want to flip it, forget about evaluating at this moment, right? You can you can get another mortgage if you qualify. So and actually you can speak on this. Sure. So if I want to have a second mortgage, right? Right? Lenders treat that differently. Right. Some say, well, I'm going to acquire more down, right? Because it's a second home or, um, so you can go just get another mortgage, right? Go and do that and just buy a second home. But that's completely different than buying a first one. Well, I don't know. Is that even true? Um, well, a little bit. Yes and no. I mean, again, going back to what's happening here for us, um, uh, values of homes have gone up. And I'm, I'm not, I don't have the stats in front of me, but at, at rates Let's in take certain a stab areas, at it. we've already figured 15, out that our audience doesn't fact check us. 
You can say whatever we want. We're the experts here, but all the realtor friends that I have do not hit me on this, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ballpark it at fifteen to eighteen percent over a couple of years. Right. So, you know, I'll I'll use my home as an example. Everybody can, mm-hmm. you know. Now I'm I'm so savvy and smart that uh, when we bought our Agree. home, <laughs> uh-huh. we bought our home. It was a call. It was it was owned by a relocation company. We bought our home in 2009 okay. in Lafayette. We moved from Louisville, where we sold our home and made some money on it. Okay. We probably definitely I regret and just that little piece of it selling too early. Mm-hmm. Louisville went but bananas after mm-hmm. that. Doesn't matter. We moved to Lafayette. We had a two year plan. There was nothing out there around the, our area as far as commercial development. That kind of fuels, and we'll get into that, that kind of fuels the residential side too. But bought it in 2009 from a relocation company. It was listed at 340 Okay. Okay. I walked in the house. Katrina looks around. We liked the layout. It was larger than our last house by far. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was on a lot and a half. So mm-hmm. we had the only house on this block that actually had a yard. It didn't go straight behind it. We have a whole yard. You've seen a garden. Mm-hmm. The backyard, she, she, Katrina said, oh, my God, I got to have it. So I'm like, well, the values were so weird at that point in 2009. Things were starting to make a move. You know, we had just mm-hmm. started kind of – that was kind of our, our beginnings, I would say, of the, of the flipping mm-hmm. era. And I, I just threw them a, a number of 290 and said, take it or leave it. Listed at 340. The realtor comes back and says 300 or 305. And I – Looked around at other homes in the area. It was hard to find. I mean, we were kind of dealing with the same thing with, with our business. It was hard to find a comp that would mm-hmm. justify any sort of number. Like, mm-hmm. So that's why I'm just, I was literally throwing darts at a wall. And I said, God, that's, you know, I did the numbers. Can we afford it at 305 if, if it appraises? Yes. So we got it for 305. So I got, you know, 35 grand off the house immediately. Today, 2019, as of today, the value of my home, and this is just me doing a comparable, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of sales to go off of right now, mm-hmm. including the one that's on our contract down the street, mm-hmm. six hundred grand. Mm-hmm. So we've been there. Can I borrow see. ten bucks? So yeah, <laughs> well, so getting okay. into this whole thing yeah. as we kind of you know my long-winded version of what what you can do with the values. That's just in our area. There's there's homes that have gone higher than that. Some are mm-hmm. less, but. We basically are at a gross of $300,000 of equity in our home, right? Mm -hmm. So a bank will look at that, and they'll give you sometimes up to 90% of that equity, okay? So whatever the difference is, if my Mm -hmm. home's worth six, Mm -hmm. and I I owe less than three at this point, obviously, we've been there. So say like here, we'll give you $270,000. We'll we'll give you, yeah, 75, 80% of the value, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll give you 80% of the equity in your Mm -hmm. home, right? So I, yeah, you go out and get a HELOC. So a HELOC, Mm -hmm. this is a, probably the best case scenario for people that have been in their homes enough, long enough and they're looking to get in the housing, flipping housing side of things. You know, if they want to flip a house and they go out and get a HELOC, which is a home equity line of credit. Okay. Rates right now are four to four and a half percent on this loan. That's, that's, in, that's insane. It's basically mm-hmm. a second mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the nice thing about the HELOC, this, it's a line of credit. So you're only paying interest on the money that you borrow. Mm-hmm. So, it's very simple. You, you can just, once it's set up, you've mm-hmm. got, you've gotten approved. You literally can just move it from one account into the account you need checking account, whatever account you're going to use if you're going to go out and, and purchase. So you could move that money all over at once or over time. If it's, if you're going to use it for a construction type of loan, whatever you're borrowing money at four to four and a half percent versus if you were to go the, the kind of the, back end route of going to a hard money lender, you could be paying, and you're not including points, you could be paying 
10, 12, 14% interest, right? So you can see how that math can really change the dynamic of one project for somebody. Um, so there's, have, there's the ability to have that now in this market. If you have means, anytime wise, wise man wants, wise men or fathers, once was like, had a whole, or it's one of my dad's favorite lines when talking about evaluating a, like a business opportunities. Like, you know, business is like wrestling. Whoever has the leverage usually wins. That's right. Right. And when you have a situation like you just described, mm-hmm. that's within your control, right? It's Correct. your equity. Right. Right. And so it's better. Anytime that you're like, well, I don't want to use that money because I want to save it or, you know, we'll, let the values keep going up and I don't want to use it. So I'll go out and borrow money. Well, all of a sudden you've just kind of, you kind of gave up leverage. You're now saying, well, sir, if you want my money or ma'am, if you want my money, then it's 10%, 12% on the money, or I'll give it to you, but we're going to take a big, bigger chunk of your profits after you sell the home and you're profitable. Right. It's like all of a sudden you're losing this leverage. So there is this like, Real simple business IQ that kind of needs to happen where you say, look, that's risk. It's a lot more riskier to take your 300000 out that you've done. What happens if you make a bad investment with that and all those years are gone? Right. And so you say, okay, well, I don't want to do that, so I'll go out and try to borrow money or find someone to be an investor in it. Well, you've just given up leverage to them. Yep. And it's, and it's, just, a, it's just a decision you have to make. Right. If you want to, you know, give up that risk or pass that risk on to somebody else because it you don't want to, well then that's something you gotta take into consideration and your the money that you're going to get is going to come at more of a premium. Yeah. And which means that you have to be more diligent about it. I always thought that if you were gonna flip a house that the business, financials, control of it, you know, like I'm going to buy a house at 50 or 60% of value. I'm only going to then make sure that I set aside 20% is going to be for these things. So if I was a $200,000 house, I got to buy it at a hundred to 120,000, which means I'm only going to put 40 and like, there's these equations. And that's really like the YouTube videos you see. Sure. Is all these like, I'm going to give you the, uh, I'm going to give you the equation, right? right. And you're just like, Jesus. There's only one of them, right? Right. There's only one of them. Yeah. And then you watch them all and they're like, they're all different. What the mm. fuck? <laughs> mm-hmm. Is buy the book, man. Yeah. If I just buy the book and I will give you the rest of the equation. You want to know what X is? X is, I don't know. I don't know. Click the link. You know, $30 like, will give you the answer. Yeah. Just give me the answer. I've watched for 45 <laughs> minutes. Uh, <laughs> yes. But, okay. So let's, let's back up for a second. The, if you have access to money and yeah. you want to do it, then just make the decision. Just make the decision. Make the decision Which that you want the, to do it. I would say it's step the first one A. Step. That's you what know? I was getting at. Yeah. Jump. Jump off. Jump just off the boat and go. Decide to do it. Yeah. And if if you're in that category, you have you're going to get a better setup on your money because it's just you're assuming the risk. Right. Right. Which means that you're not passing on leverage to someone else to say, well, it's my money. If you want it, take it or take it or not. But right. this is my terms, right? And it seems like you need it. Right. Um, just, just the first 1A, like you said, is just make the decision to do it, right? And then you can get into the whole, well, what, where should I spend my money and how should I spend it, right? If you're not in that category, 
and you want to go borrow money, mm-hmm. you want to bring on an investor, you want to do that, then my biggest suggestion to is spend some time thinking about how, when, and where you're going to spend your money. Start setting real strict parameters for yourself about how long am I going to have this property? Uh, how am I going to spend my money? How am I going to allocate the funds? Yep. How am I going to report that back to my investor? Draw schedules, things of this sort. Yep. How am I going to manage this with my time? Am I doing this on the side? Like you all of a sudden have to start being really diligent because your money becomes expensive. It's in, in a hurry. In a hurry. Yeah. And you're not leaving yourself a lot of contingency for air, which is going to happen. There's going to be design errors. There's going to be construction errors. There's going to be evaluation errors. There's going to be all these things. So that's what I'm saying is when your money becomes expensive, um, you have to be tight. You have to have, you have to have at least a plan before you go in. It doesn't have to be the right plan, but you better sit down and not just say, let's just buy it and start ripping it apart. You can't shoot from the hip. You can't shoot from the hip. There's not enough. There's not enough space for air. Mm-mm. So if you're going to borrow it because you don't want to use your money or access the, you know, turn your house, which is a liability all of a sudden into an asset, which is taking the money out. Right. Yeah. If you don't want to do that, then, um, and you want to pass it on to someone else, that would be my n- number one, one a is how are you setting this up? Right. And right? so that gets into even, even kind of more subcategories of, you got to understand on, on some level what a draw schedule is. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you don't have your own cash and even, even if you have your own cash using your own money, you better have it set up in a budget with a draw schedule. Cause you got to know how much you're pulling out, how much money you've used. How you much know, does it cost you to pull how, out? How much does it cost you to pull up? Right. How much do you have left? What are you going to end up having to cut on mm-hmm. the design side? And we've gone back and forth on that every single project, you know, this is a great how idea. How do you even budget something? How do you budget am I, that? Am I saying, how do you do a budget? So you have to learn these things yeah. before you, you should probably have a good understanding of all of that construction budget, you know, cost of materials on some level. Now you can research it as you go, but you better understand how to do that right. before you even start looking for your property. Yeah. Cause if you don't, you don't have, you don't have time to figure that out after the fact at all. No. You and you know it. what's funny is, here's like a really easy example. It's this, okay, well, I want to think about how much I want to spend. And we'll get into kind of a real simple, we're going to get into a very simple formula, right? <laughs> but <laughs> about, you know, if I buy a house for X, I put Y into it and I can sell it for Z, mm-hmm. right? And X is kind of the variable, Right. Okay. It's, it's not difficult to figure out if I can buy this house for around this price because you can just make whatever offer you want. You may you can, not get but the you got to know what that is. And so, so how do we do? Let's just break it down. Okay, so step one is, is, is you have to determine before you even make an offer on this property, you're going to understand that market that's in, right? Again, right. quotation marks, the market it's in mm-hmm. and determine the ARV, which is what? After repair value. Okay, and how do you figure that out? So when this is all of a sudden pretty or fixed up, right? what is this house potentially worth? Right. Right, or valued at, right? <laughs> worth versus value. Yes. Right, so what is it valued at, right? And so let's just, a real simple example. I see a house, it's sitting in a neighborhood. It appears to be in need of updating. It's distressed. It's not... It's not looking like the other houses in the neighborhood. I'm speaking very vaguely here, right? Yeah. And then they say, okay, the ones that are all fixed up and done have been opened up and 
the landscaping, whatever it is, right, that you're deeming it needs flipped, quote, air quotes, is those houses are selling for 500000 Yep. Right? And we'll actually get into evaluating that. But let's just say, for, for easy conversations purpose, conversational purposes, you're like, that's worth... If I fix this up, that thing's worth five hundred. Right. Okay. Okay. And you say, look, I can buy this thing now, and it's listed at four forty, whatever it is. And it's a turd right now. And it's a turd. Yeah. Right. And so you're going to say, well, look, I'm not going to buy it for four forty, right? I'm going to make an offer for like you did with your house, three seventy five cash. Yeah. Because you're a cash buyer. Right. Right. Close quicker. And quick close. I'm going to rip it up so, you know, there's not going to be a lot of inspections. Don't need know. an appraisal. Don't matter. need an appraisal. Yeah. Don't need that. 375 I'll see you in, in 30 days, and I'll buy your house cash, and we're out. Mm-hmm. So let's just say you come back and you buy it for 400 So the first thing you do is like, okay, I buy it for 4 It looks like there is it's worth 5 And you and I always called this the initial spread. Right. Right? So we're always looking for a certain initial spread. We wanted to have an initial spread usually of around like a hundred grand. Minimum. Minimum. Yeah. Right. So I'm gonna buy it for four. I think the ARV is five. And before we buy anything, we're already figuring these numbers out. And we try to say, great, how much do I need to spend on this house to get to five hundred thousand ARV? Right. Right. I can't just throw up paint. I'm not gonna get five hundred. Right. I can't just do the kitchen. So we say, look, to get to that value, we would go in. And as we're deciding to buy the house, we're also deciding what it takes to fix up to get to that ARV. Yeah. And we said, look, if the initial spread's 100, we always kind of went into it looking to spend 40 to 60,000. And if we could make 40,000 in profit, we were kind of like, it's kind of a green light, right? We think we can buy it for four. We think we can put 50 into it. And that 50 would make us this house be valued at 500 and there's 50 there and then we'd really go through and see if that was accurate right Uh, so this is just a real basic right there's a lot more that goes into it like what were those houses did they all sell for 500,000 but they took 200 days on market to get sure how many bedrooms how many bathrooms how how many beds how many baths we're doing the one story two story or what's actually on the market right now so maybe these three houses that i'm using as a comp for an arv yeah they sold for 500 grand but there's that market, that neighborhood is saturated with available inventory. Right. And it's like, well, I don't want to be, if I'm going to now enter into as a competitor in that specific market and there's six other houses for sale and those six, six other houses look pretty good and are being listed for 475, then is my ARV 500, even though there's three other houses that sold for 500. So all these quick decisions have to be made because the house is for sale. It's for sale and someone's going to pick it up. Someone's going to pick it up, right? Because it's undervalued. Um, So when you're trying to evaluate looking for a property, you're first looking for distressed property. And this is another one of like the, buy my book. Like I heard the whole like three D's. Shit was hilarious. (laughs) I haven't heard this yet. Follow the three D's. Death. Huh? Divorce <laughs> and downsize. I'm like, oh my god! Look for people who have died, and I'm like, Jesus, grimy! Like, what the right? And and he's like, and if you think it's predatory, it's not. They're dead, and I'm like, oh my. There's god. a fourth D with this guy, and it's yeah. Dick. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Um, 
and look, actually, with what he's saying, it's there actually kind of true. There was value there, yeah. right? That you know, somebody dies and its grandma dies, and an it sale. goes to someone else. They're not wanting no. to do anything. They want to move that property. That house is probably also potentially not updated or not current or Hasn't not been touched on trend. In 35, 40 years. Right. There's a, probably a family group that owns it, and, and they right. probably don't even live in the state. No. Right. Right. There's money there for There's whatever money reason. There. And they so want to get how out. do you find people who are dead? <laughs> like, and is, should that be a part of your search process? Do you kill them first? <laughs> um, <clears throat> no. Um, or divorce. Uh huh. But here's the thing. This is to me where this gets really complicated. And I think you and I simplified this. There are people because who we're say, so smart. Yeah. Well, and or maybe we were dumb. Maybe we should have done it differently. I don't okay. know. You can go to bank bank foreclosures, foreclosures, short uh-huh. sales, auctions, um, work with wholesalers. You know there are people who are out there who are just like, I'm in the lead business. I put a lot of money out there for people to come to me and say, Hey, buy this property because they know I'm cash buyer. They know, and I'm just in wholesaling, right. and I'm going to wholesale to flippers. So should I spend my time trying to find a good wholesaler? Should I go down to the city at an auction? Um, tax liens, tax all these kind of yep. things. So there's so much of this. It's like, if you're a looking to get into it, I would advise to stay away from that. I would just say, spend your time, not your first few, not your no. first few. No, you gotta, you gotta have find a, one that yeah. you're familiar with the style of home, the market, your neighborhood, the whole comfortable deal. with the market, yeah. the neighborhood, you know, what's going on. Honestly, if you can find one, like you said, in Lafayette, I don't know Lafayette. Mm-hmm. I'm in Denver. Lafayette is part of the greater Denver area. Sure. And you would do so much better flipping a home in Lafayette than I would because you're so familiar right. with your market. I know I know this area. Yeah, yeah. And so if you're going to start, start looking right outside your door. Yep. Right? You have a community there. You can start putting out there that I'm looking to do this. And somebody may come to you and say, you might be able to buy my grandma's house. We're going to move her into assisted living. Right. Right. These are these kind of deals, right, that you're looking for. There are so many real estate investors. What was it in the article from Fine Fine Home Building that I think like at one point in some cities, 20% of every sold home was Was a a flip. flip. Yeah. And the national average was like 9%. So almost one out of 10 was a flip. Yeah. And if you think about the number of homes sold, you're like, there are a lot of damn flippers out there. Right. So this to me is where you find that deal. It's not crazy to say buy cheap is the success. Gee, thanks, Captain Obvious. Yeah. Um, I look forward to you telling me to drive safely. <laughs> um, so, okay. So in, in, in within that within that statement, that theory, um, our second flip mm-hmm. was exactly that <laughs> right it was it was were air quoting air quotes mm-hmm. so that was gilpin. gilpin that was gilpin in gilpin. a heartbeat that yep. was that's what it was so it was what a, a block and a half from where block you were living from my house yeah yep which was nice for you but actually that's a really good example because we knew about that because and how did we obtain the home right i mean i guess in theory it was listed but but was it really? It wasn't there was, there really was, listed. There was a sign in the yard, but yeah. how do we end up getting under contract? Did she pass away? No, they moved her to assisted living. Well, let's, yeah, let's get it like the beef. The beef. I'm hungry. <laughs> Brief backstory of that. We saw a sign in the yard. Mm-hmm. I remember looking it up on the MLS, yes. and we yes. couldn't find it. 
Yeah. Don't know. It was local guy was, was, mm-hmm. I think just helping her out. I think mm-hmm. he was a friend of hers. I don't think he had she much. Was old. She was older, but the, the lady that was living there, mm-hmm. um, she acquired it. I'm trying to remember. It's been so long and I'm so old. She acquired it because her, I believe it was her cousin passed away. Yes. And yes, she, that's and right. I guess they were the only, she was like next to kin mm-hmm. air quotes. Um, so she had to move from Houston. Yes, out to Colorado, right. take care of the funeral. Um, she was deeded the home, mm-hmm. so it became hers. And mm-hmm. she, so she moved her stuff in. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she really had a plan. It was, it no. was, it was very loosey goosey as far as what right. she was going to do. But she, she moved from Houston to Denver, moved in, um, and then decided she was fucking done with Colorado. Yeah. She told us that. She said, "I don't like the snow. It's cold. I don't yep. know anybody. Yep. I want to get the hell I'm back a Houston to Houston." Girl. I, yeah, yeah. I, th- this is not for me. Mm-hmm. So this is why I'm selling it. But we found all this information out by literally walking down the street, and knocking on the door, knocking on the door, and said, "Good afternoon, ma'am. Yeah. Why, what's Can up? you tell me what's going on? What's here? going on here?" And she t- she brought she us, told us in, the whole story. Sat us down. We had. Did we have cookies with her too? Yes, I yeah. think we did. Yeah. Tea. It was it was yeah. so quaint. Yes, but she. I mean. Evan, it, it was a block away from my was, house. Yeah, and Evan, Evan found it. But you, um, you're so good at silver tonguing people. She felt well, so like comfortable people. with us from the beginning, and and she's like, I want to sell to you. Yeah, screw this selling to anybody else. Let's just well, put the sign on the arms. You, put you it know together. why she was comfortable? Hmm. Was because it was very, um, it was a simple conversation, right? There was a problem. And we were a solution. Yep. And we said, look, we're just going to put this out there that we can do this. Yep. And I know the neighborhood. I know what the houses need. Right. Um, and we just had a legitimate conversation with no intention outside of let's identify the problem. Yep. And then once the problem was identified and we're like, look, we, we have money. We can buy it. And right. you can be done. You and can I'm, be out of here. And I know how to do this. I'm a block away. Right. This is what we're doing. We're actually looking for another project to do. This is easy. Mm-hmm. But it's a perfect example that that would be where I would tell people to start. Because you knew that. Neighborhood. You don't need to figure out a model. You don't need to buy a book or go to a seminar. No. You need to look outside your front door, find out what's going on. Yeah. And yes, Captain Obvious, buying cheap is great. <laughs> right. If I buy a house for a dollar. And it's worth five hundred thousand. That's pretty good. It's a very subjective so, statement, too. Yeah. So, it's a. I would say start there. That would probably be if I really had to think about. It, now that we're kind of airing this out, we're thinking out loud to each other here. Is that would be where I would tell someone to start? Yeah. First, figure out your money. Figure out how you're going to do it. Is it going to be your money? Is it going to be a friend's money? Is it going to be a lender's money? Right. Are you? going to do it in terms of interest or are you going to make them a partner in it where they're sharing profit figure that out and you may not have that figured out until you talk to people you may go to a friend says i have money but i'm not interested in making five percent on my money right i'll give it to you but i want 50 percent of the profit right and you're like evaluate that sit down and think about it and and see if that's worth it and or, well, no, that really doesn't make a lot of sense because I could I could go get a hard money loan and I could only pay 15% interest on the money, right? And maybe once you calculate it all out, you're like, it would be better to do that than right. to give up 50% of my profit. So 
figure that part out. And then once you've figured that part out, when you start looking at homes, start start within your known space. Literally outside your front door. Look outside figure your front out door. Figure out what's Talk going on in people. your neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Find out what's happening. Look for someone who just died. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Don't go kill anybody. Divorce. Yeah. Right. But there are opportunities to do that. But I think that gets... For your first flip, and that's what we're talking about. I think as you do one and you, hopefully that you're successful doing it, you can start looking into how you're going to branch that out. Right. How are you going to find more property like the one in your neighborhood? Maybe you should just start talking. Maybe I should call you up and say, I'm looking to flip a house, but I don't know Lafayette. Right. And if you... And you and I may have a conversation like, dude, there are houses right now. This is hot. This is crazy. My house just went up 300 grand in equity in six years. Mm-hmm. And they're still building. There's more people moving here. There's not enough homes and whatever. Yeah. But start real basic. Avoid all of the how to flip houses and become a millionaire equation. It's not going to happen on the because first. Because it just... It might end up manifesting to where you have some sort of process, but I don't think you can say this is how you flip a house. I think that was my big takeaway. It's like, how do you flip a house? Like, dude, there's a million ways to skin the cat. And you know what? Even if you're an experienced flipper, mm-hmm. um, you have to adapt with the change in markets. You know, I mean, as we were doing it over those years, we had to, we we kind of loosey goosey started it developed a process that worked very well for mm-hmm. several years, but then things changed. Even in a good market, things were changing. And what we were doing wasn't as much or as high of the demand as far as what we were offering as a product. And we had to change again. And that kind of change, you know, other circumstances fucking happen too. But that, that process has to change. You have to be able to adapt and you're constantly evaluating markets. And that's every market that you're in either before now or if, as you're looking to, to, to move into another neighborhood or whatever, mm-hmm. you have to adapt. It, that blueprint is not going to work with these guys on YouTube mm-hmm. every single time. No. But you have to understand the numbers. You've got to know what the ARV is going to be. That's the big like that's the, that's the big step. Then you can back everything out from there, right? And that's mm-hmm. basically what you're saying is get that ARV and it's got to be a strong. And that's that's what you did for us mm-hmm. is you went in and you did CMAs, which are comparable market mm-hmm. analysis of every home that had just sold. Mm-hmm. And you also did a CMA on listings mm-hmm. of things that were actively on the market and what right. the price listing price was going right. to be. And then determine, are they too high? Are they right there? Maybe right. a little low, whatever, to to build that formula and determine, all right, this is what I need to buy this project for because I can sell it for Z, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's 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 the way to look at it if yeah. you're going to be a flipper. You can't, you know, everything else, it's all the garbage that's out there. Like I said, you can't, you can't nominalize it to one process. No, and when you're doing that, it's, you have to take this uh, non-emotional approach to evaluating but take the emotion out boys yeah take the emotion out still hear that Um, i would pay that but you're not buying that when it's done that's right right? um but also very common sense it's really not that complicated when you're looking at it very objectively so take an example take a street Mm -hmm. and they're all five hundred thousand dollar houses and there's one turd sitting there and you're like, yeah, okay, 
that house should be flipped. Okay. And then you, we, we kind of just went through this a minute ago, but when you look at the other ones and they're all sold for 500,000, you can buy this one for four. So same example. And you're, and you're evaluating that it is easy to be, I, I mean, back up. I'm not using the right word. It's, you can be very objective and say, okay, if I'm looking at this objectively, okay, the, the comparables are all there. Same bath, same even, maybe it's even the same damn floor model, style of home, same bath, bed combos, right? So all right. the particulars are the same. And then you can start looking at the backyards and you can say, well, they have this, they have that. That's a two-car garage. That's a one-car garage. And so you're just evaluating it. And if you're like, okay, look, this is same bed, bath. It's about the same square foot. I'm going to be able, the yard is comparable. The lot size is good. Um, and if you're looking at objecting and say, then the difference is this one's on the corner, right? And this one's tucked nicely in the neighborhood. This one that's the turd is um, got a little bit more traffic. It has, and you got to really be honest with yourself. I'm going to, I'm going to yeah, have a, a moment key. where I have to, even though I can say bed, bath, and comparables, I can be in front of a uh, appraiser and lob my argument. Mm -hmm. But if you're having to make an argument that your house is worth the you're same, already in trouble. you're already in trouble. Mm -hmm. Even if your argument you think is good. If you're if you're moving numbers around in your budget, same deal. Like, oh, I don't think it'll. I, I think this is too high. This is this. I've definitely fluffed this number. We can bring this down. Right. If you're starting to adjust numbers to justify the project. You know, but if you're being real, you got to be honest, like you said. Yeah, if you bring in some real common sense, you usually can figure it out pretty yeah. easy. It's not that difficult to be like, actually, that'd be a that'd be a damn good deal for that house, right? And I can easily get it there, and I don't have to make my case to anybody. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a thing. Our first couple ones, we we were like making cases right. for why we think the house was that value or what we did. Right. And it's like. I want to make it to where I'm putting a house on the market, and if somebody's looking at that street and they see two, three houses for sale, that what they're going to do is my house is going to jump off the piece of paper. Yep. They're going to say, well, okay. I want to be on the other end of that coin. I don't want to be the one that's justifying the cor on the corner mm -hmm. that backs up to you know uh, a street. I want to be the one that says my house is the same price, but it doesn't have that. Right. It doesn't back up to the street. It doesn't have the parking lot. It doesn't have the safe way across the street. Mine's in the neighborhood, same price, better finishes. I want to have that argument. Exactly. So that's also why sometimes you see these houses. You're like, well, why is this one so cheap? And then when you get there, you're like, no. I get it. Now I get it. Right? Yeah. It backs up to something or um, it doesn't have one thing that the other houses do um, or whatever it might be. There's a reason why it was available if you're just, let's say, looking through the MLS. Right. Uh, so those are the common sense. Again, I get, so if I'm trying to keep this on, like, on a point, is... If you're getting your money right is step one. Yep. Looking outside your door and staying Keep within the things that you're comfortable with yep. is step two. Step three is when you start that process evaluating, don't talk yourself into it. Don't. It's got to make sense. You'll be find a deal. You got to be objective. patient. You got to be patient and honest, I think, are two yep. important kind 100%. of things to, to, to point out there, too. 
and, and going back to Gilpin, same deal. Um, when we when we finally made a negotiation, we got under contract. You know, as we as we valued what we needed to be, our number to her mm-hmm. was equated to us adding a second story to that house. If you remember, yes, that's because right. Because there was two across the street done that's by right. another guy, mm-hmm. another builder flipper, um, and he he popped both of them and sold them for Danny. Yeah. That's right. That's who it was. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he and so we had we had an ARV for those if we were to pop the top, and so that was our initial goal. Mm-hmm. As we got our contract, kind of started looking through things. You started digging up more numbers, more um, more information to the to the market. And it was changing as we were under contract. Even um, in that neighborhood, we by the time we got to the closing table in the first week of demo. We switched gears and said, we're not popping the top of this house. No. We are going to... This is going to be a 45-day in and out. That's right. We're going to fix everything that's a problem, mm-hmm. you know, structurally, um, electrically, mechanically, you know, the systems. We're going to fix all of that stuff. We had some uh, goofy little sunroom on the back that mm-hmm. needed a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So we're going to invest some time because it was, it was a nice piece of the of the property to have mm-hmm. but as is it was e- it was either going to be ripped off mm-hmm. or we got to figure out how to fix this thing without spending too much money so we switched gears during that process and said instead of making it a three two which is a three bedroom two bath mm-hmm. we're going to keep it as a two bedroom one bath mm-hmm. and we know what that market is and there were a lot of first-time buyers looking in that neighborhood to get That's into right. that neighborhood because it was becoming very very popular and hot mm-hmm. things were happening commercially around the area and, and when there's pop tops going for five, six hundred thousand, that's to that's be a, able to have an argument to say, well, you can live in this neighborhood for three. Right. All of a sudden, we thought that would be better, and right. we were also evaluating the time component. Yep. Is is this where we're going to spend our next six months, or do we want to get in and out? Or do we want to get in and out of this? Make ten, fifteen grand. I think we made only like fifteen grand on that thing. It might even been less than it that. Might even been less. Yeah. Um, but we were in and out quickly, we in and, out and we quick. got on to a different project that we made more money on. We closed the end of May, and we sold that thing middle of July. Yeah, I think, so, that, I think that's pretty yeah. that, that's accurate. So, I don't know. I know we're not really at this point talking about, like, give me the formula, right? Right. But I think this is what all the other videos are kind of missing. Mm-hmm. Should I do this? How do I do this? Not how, like, how do I run a project? How do I actually go out and buy a house? How do I evaluate it, right? And we haven't even really got into really about valuations. We're kind of talking in like real topical. Sure. But yep. these are the things that I always felt like were missing when I was watching these things. As somebody who's flipped houses before, it's just like, oh, hold on a minute, man. Yeah, that sounds all great, right? But do I get on the MLS? Can I get on the MLS? Do I right. need a broker? How, how do I do that? Do I need right. a broker? That's good point. Do I need a broker? Do I need a real estate agent to help me find it, sell it? Um, th- that whole process, you right. know, on, on the real estate side of things, contractually even, you mm-hmm. know, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a real estate agent. I'm not a lawyer. If I'm ripping a house apart, should I be, when I buy the house, should I be crunching down on inspection stuff? Right. You know, I mean, who I'm do gonna... I bring in to help me look for things that I'm not going to be able to see? Do I need to bring in a contractor and some subcontractors to evaluate the house as I'm under contract? That's right. Because, and I think this is a kind of a, a key component too, because everybody, well, I'm not going to say that, but a lot of people know contractors and they, mm-hmm. or they know somebody that can find you a contractor. Mm-hmm. And that's another, that's another question is, do I, do I need a contract? Do I need a GC to do this project for me? Should I do it myself? Um, I, you know, people think they're handy again, going back to YouTube, all that other stuff. We talked about that in mm-hmm. episode one is, 
um, all of the, and I'm going to air quote this value of, of looking things up online to learn how to, you know, Look, frame. we were, we used, so maybe let's give something here that might be helpful for anybody who's listening. We used a series of really two things. Um, we used MLS right. and I used Zillow. Right. And how and do we use MLS? So I'm a licensed real estate agent. Okay. So we have access to the back end of that, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the professional end of that. You can look at properties as Evan said, there's other, there's other avenues. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zillow is a, a big one. Everybody mm-hmm. knows about Zillow. You can get on the front end of the MLS as well. So here it's RE Colorado and Iris, I-R-E-S. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a public domain you can look up now, which is kind of a cool thing in some ways because you can type in search criteria the same way I would if I was looking for properties um, to get information on what's listed. Now, this is just, just going to give you the actives in the market, mm-hmm. but you have the ability to do that without a broker involved. Right. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Look, it's not even real sexy sounding. The first thing I would do is well, you take a big metropolitan city like Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like, where do you start? Right. I mean, there might be 7,000 homes listed for sale or maybe even more. Yeah. What and do I, you're put like, in the where do I even start? Do I start? Okay. So we said start in your neighborhood, right? So take a look at your neighborhood, see what's going on. And what I would do is now we ended up actually, because we kind of made this a career, Mm -hmm. it wasn't just like the advice we just gave, which is look outside your front door. Right. So I would go into areas that I thought were hot Mm -hmm. or that where, um, more buyers would be looking. And that came from just simply you driving around and networking, which is a big thing. Networking, talking talking to people, people. what's going on, what's up with the Baker district, what's, uh, what's happening here. And so I'd get a real loose, I needed to set my curbs. Right. Because otherwise it was too overwhelming. Right. I want to, or we would look for a style of home. We thought mid-century moderns were really becoming back into trend and there was certain buyers that were out there and it's a limited inventory. It's hard to find that type of home. I'm looking for that kind of home. So if we could find one, then we had, we owned a market, right? We could say, well, I'm one of the only completely renovated mid-century modern homes in the city. And you can brand yourself in something like that too, which helps kind of create more of it. Again, going back to, do I use a broker or not? You know, if you're in a FISBO, people know who you are. You're branded with a mid-century modern flipper. Yep. They're going to come look for you. Yep. And, but that meant I had to know the neighborhoods. I had yeah. to know all the mid-century modern enclaves. I had to go drive those. I had to go take a look at them. I had to... Um, so, but what I would do is I would look at Zillow. Mm-hmm. And I would look at it. Zillow is what it is. Right, it's not right. 100% accurate. It was, But again, I'm setting curves. So what I would do is I would pull up and you, know, you can draw a little circle and say, okay, right here. And I would put, you know, home sold, right? Not for sale, home sold. And I would kind of take a look at, okay, this is what generally the value of a sold home is. Now, I have no other specific information, right? But I'm looking for that one home that jumps off the piece of paper, yeah, right? So I'd say, okay, this this neighborhood is getting around $500,000, just for example. And that's okay, listing. And if immediately there was a saturation of listings, I'm almost out. I'm right. like, okay, well, hold on a sec. I, that's, I don't want to be, I'm not looking for that. I want to lob the argument as I'm the only one right. or I'm the best one, right? And you're going to buy my home. But if it all of a sudden there was only a couple for sale 
And then the first, next thing I would do is I would try to find that one where I say, why are these listed for four ninety five and this one's listed for four ten? Right. Yep. Right. So I'm looking for just that low hanging fruit, and then I would take a look at it, and I would say, okay, well the reason it's four ten is because those are all three twos and this one's a two one. I'm out. Right. So I would make these like real general assumptions, but then I would just make a list. Of all the ones where, and I would bring them, you and I would have these kind of listing type meetings where we would sit down and say, okay, here's a list of 15 homes. These 15 homes are undervalued in terms of listing price. Yep. Um, there is an initial spread between what the average sold home is. It is also comparable, right? So let's go take a look at these 15. And I would just really try to get these curbs set right? Yep. where I could say, I don't know what these houses and how many times we go and say, yeah, okay, well, this one needs to be bulldozed. Yeah. So look, maybe we should, maybe we should go in and say, look, you have this thing listed for 400,000, but because we're, you know what we're doing, you have all these structural problems. You have all of this. And the best I can do is give you a $300,000 cash price and I'll put all that money into it. Yeah. And so that touches on a point too, is, is there's this persona, I would call it of house flipping where you're looking for the, the turdiest, crappiest, mm-hmm. ugliest, most rundown, distressed property on the block, which is not true mm-hmm. because sometimes those numbers don't make sense. You're trying to remodel a home that should probably be torn down. And we've been in some disgusting houses over the years. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were in, you know, there, there's, there's signs on, remember that one house we went into that literally was infested with black mold. Yes. And because yes. the basement, the adv- flooded. It, oh, it was, and it disgusting. was like halfway up the wall. It was, it was dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they literally told you, you cannot go in the home. And if you do, it's at your own risk. There's signs everywhere. Yes. Um, and you went down and you were licking the wall. <laughs> and I was just sucking all, just <laughs> eating that yes. mold. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But gives you superpowers. those sometimes too, that might be the deal. But maybe it is. Maybe it's that's all the one we should do. Numbers. And if we can go in there and do that. So anyways, I I just tried to find ways to set curbs because yeah. it's almost overwhelming. You have to get your parameters and that's as you're searching. And I was and I used Zillow only as a directional guide yep. because I could see things easily on a map. I could see there was enough basic information and you could argue whether the information is accurate or not, but it helps you zero in on what we were trying to look right. For. And yeah. then I would use the MLS to go and start. And what I would do is say, well, here's a list of 10 that appear to be in a neighborhood where homes are selling for more. This one's listed for substantially less. It's comparable and there's not a lot for sale in that neighborhood. So this one looks attractive, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to be one of the only houses that looks to be room to improve it and make money. And yeah, like I said, we're going to be one of the only houses for sale or there's other houses, but we're going to have that argument against them. Right. I'm not these things. I'm not that. Right. So we're going to be at the top of that competitive like market subset. If yeah. you will. And then what we would do is we would go through and I would use the MLS to do uh, actual CMA and do, um, to help establish an actual ARV. So that way when we went and looked at the home, we'd have essentially three sheets. There's a listing, right? So here's the listing uh-huh. with all the particulars of the home. Here's the CMA, right? So here's the competitive mark now. So we can see, and um, actually we did, we had two, and then we would kind of build out one where we figure out how much it would cost to, to do it. So we'd kind right. of fill out that one while we were, or while we were looking at it. But and that it, was kind yeah. of the basic 
deconstruction of evaluating a property, real yep. basic. And I, again, I keep seeing all this information being put out about here's how you evaluate it. And people are specific, like once you establish your ARV, you want to buy a house anywhere from 40 to 60, per, 40 to 60 cents to the dollar. Yeah. And it's like, well, ho hold on a minute. You haven't told them how to establish the ARV. Right. <laughs> so that's step one. That's great. But how do, how do you know that's what the house is valued at afterwards? Yeah. And again, maybe you can say this is worth 600000 but that's one sale that happened very specifically because it was worth it to somebody. That's not really what the rest of the neighborhood is getting. Or they got that value, but it took them three and a half years to find that perfect person who there was nothing on the market and they had to live in that area because the the wife needed to move for a certain job and the kid needs to be in that. And it was the only house that they had to overpay for right. Like that situation is not replicatable. No. So you got to be careful and say, well, that's not really the ARV. That's the situation on that house with that particular buyer that just happened to fall into place and somebody did well. Right. Right. But that's not, that's not the standard that's not reality in the neighborhood. Yeah. So it's finding a house is really easy and it's also really difficult mm -hmm. to evaluate the right one that you should do. And, we took that crap very seriously. We really, we looked at a lot. We're like, we could probably make money here. Let's not do it. No. Mm -hmm. or, it's hard to say no, but you, you got to get real good at saying no. And we didn't know really how to do that well until we took a bunch of stabs at it. Yeah. And so that process wasn't, um, it wasn't from the very beginning that we knew exactly what we we're doing. But uh, that's why we're kind of telling you now. Sure. Look outside your front door first. That's something that you understand very well, right? And if not, then here's some basic ideas. You want to buy a house under value in a neighborhood with a higher ARV that you can spend as little as, you know, a little bit of money to get to that ARV mm -hmm. and to put it on the market where you're, you're the argument for why you should buy it, not the argument against, or I said that wrong. You're the antithesis to someone else's argument correct like, yeah oh i have this yeah i have all of that and i don't have the street oh this i have all of that and i'm not next to a parking lot mm -hmm. you know you want to be in that argument in a market where you're sitting at top of the available home for sale right right and that's the real general makeup right it gets complicated from there but that's the simple part i want my house to be the best house for sale and I want to be able to get my house to the best house by using less money than what I'm going to have to put into it. Yeah. Or, well, you know, 400, 500, I can put 50 in to get to, to the 500,000. It's that part's really not all that complicated. I'm probably not doing a great job explaining it, but it's getting to that point is flipping a house. Right. That's the concept. Yeah. You can hire contractors and plumbers and you can do all of that. And there's all this budgeting stuff, which we can talk about, but, the, that's the first part. You can't get into all that other stuff if you've not found a way to use your money smart, if you are evaluating homes wrong, and even if you got on budget, you're in a position where you're having to make arguments why your house should be selling when it's not selling. You're, yeah. You've done something wrong. So like that foundation is so important. And getting into like how to make a draw schedule and what design decisions you should make is almost secondary to that. Because Harvard, our very first house, was a good example. Dope. 
amazing. Right. We bought a house. We thought it was inexpensive. We made it sick, and then we had to start making arguments. We had to for justify it. why we're selling it at this price, which right. people did ask. Why? Why is it listed for this? Well, <gasps> look at the other comps. Well, they're not up against the highway. Right. We're, or yeah. look at the finishes. Or look at our square foot. We all of a sudden we're having to make arguments for why somebody should buy it and getting butt hurt because of it. Instead of again quoting the famous Bailey older Bailey boys, take the emotion out of it. Yeah. You remove have your to, ego. have to remove your right. ego. Yeah. You have to. Yes, you guys did great work. Mm-hmm. That means D-I-C-K right now because of all the problems you're dealing with and the reason why this house is still sitting here after months on the market. And we were making an argument that the home was, what we were asking for, was valued correctly. Right. And the problem was it just wasn't worth it to anybody. It wasn't worth it to that. Any, not anybody right. at that price. And, and we were right. It was valued at that. We you know, it appraised it, but it wasn't, that doesn't mean it it. sells. It wasn't worth it to somebody. Mm -hmm. So those, um, look, that's the hardest part of doing this is just getting your right foundational shit together. Right. Right. And just saying, hold on a minute. I'm average Joe. I'm looking to maybe do this or have interest in doing it. I've heard things like m- real estate, there's money in real estate and all these kind of things and I have the means to do it or I know somebody who does and I have the desire to do it. It's like, okay, good. Figure out how you're going to do your money, right? And start in a space that you understand well and then if you're going to branch out of that, be really honest and objective. Don't bring romanticism into this whole thing. Like I've always wanted to do a beautiful mid-century. Like, yeah. okay, this... That means that you're going to be very specific and you really better know what you're doing. Um, otherwise, you're going to get into it. And you're going to say, I've always wanted to flip a mid-century modern home, for example, and I just because I want to do it. And it's like, wow, you're not really looking at it as an investment. You're not really looking at it as a home that's potentially going to be for sale. You're not really looking at it as, uh, is there a market for it? That all of a sudden is requiring kind of like a business model yeah. versus just saying, I can buy this cheap, I can put X into it, and I can sell it for Y. Right. And when I sell it for Y, I'm going to have limited competition or I'm going to be at the top of that competition. And that's probably the one you should go with yeah. is that one. And oh, I hate uh, – or another one is maybe I have a certain design, taste, and flair, and I'm going to go buy some traditional colonial home. Like, well, I don't want to flip a colony home. Whoa, that's an emotional thing. <laughs> yeah. Take that out. You're looking at numbers. If, Some, this, is, yeah. if this works, if this is the numbers that are going to work, right. then this is what you're going to be doing. Right. And you better keep it that way because that's the buyer you're going to attract. Don't try and change it. Don't force it. And, I mean, we saw that with a lot of mid-century modern homes that were actually, as we were looking for projects you know throughout the years we saw some mid mid mods that were done so horribly oh and and we'd walk in and go the price seems right to me we'd walk in and go now i know why it's not selling and then there is this flipper on the other end saying it's all brand new yeah i got cherry cabinets and uba tuba granite right. you're like Man, red oak flooring. Red oak, yeah. like, dude, you, you yeah. blew it. Like, yeah, but it. his is renovated, mine's renovated, and this, and it's like you're. So then, why isn't it sold? And they will look at you and like, well, I don't know. I mean, I put fifty thousand into it. That comp down the street, they sold for that. Like, you're missing the point. Do like, you know you, who Frank Lloyd Wright is? Have you Frank, seen a couple right, pictures? Right, right. <laughs> um, so I just, 
that's where you want to avoid. You want to avoid being the person making the argument that your home should be valued or it should be selling to somebody yeah. or that if you do it, I could make that argument. We could, we could get someone to buy this home. Stay away from that. Oh right? yeah. And, you got to stay away from that stuff. And that's when you know you're probably looking at the wrong house. All right. So let's just assume you've done everything that we're saying. You got your money in order. You figured out how you're going to do it. You looked out your front door. You, or you've, found a way to narrow down something where you say, look, I think I can buy inexpensively. I think I've established that the ARV after repair, which by the way, to establish an ARV is also somewhat subjective. It, it certainly is. Okay. It's so certainly is. now, and just to, just to delve into that real quick, as far as figuring that ARV out, you, there is a process, there's a formula. You can't just you know, throw some number at a dartboard and say, yeah, yeah that's what I'm going to sell for. Cause you know, mm -hmm. we just discussed that's not going to work either. Um, but you can't be afraid to make money either. Correct. You have True. to, you have to be confident. So you got honesty. You got to be honest with yourself. You got to be patient and finding the right project. Don't force it. Mm -hmm. And having confidence that once you get that, th those pieces put together and you're, you're into the project and you've done a really good job of figuring out that ARV. Don't go, well, <laughs> we better just drop the price just so I can get rid of it. Right. If you're in it, you're in this to make money and you right. can make good money if you're confident in doing that. And right. you know, there was a, I can think of one in particular that was, um, that we did that on. We were, we, we undervalued the home and it was a great home. Another one where we knocked on a door, Cedar. Mm. Oh yeah. You remember Cedar? Oh yeah. Talk about a turd in our awesome <laughs> neighborhood. That was the Baker one in the Baker district. That was in the Baker district. Yeah. 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 And that was a, that was a great project for us. Mm -hmm. Now it, we made good money on that. Mm -hmm. I think that was probably one of our most profitable projects mm -hmm. of all of them. However, we could have made more. We could have made so much more, but we were just like, we don't want to blow it. We, we have want a client. I don't want to do this. Yep. They're going to buy it. Let's just not blow it. Yep. Let's make the concessions wherever they want. And we'll just try to limit the number of concessions they make. And we'll just try to squeeze out and get out. And we still make great money. But God, at a certain point project. we're like, no, no, this is what we're doing. And that's the price. And, and if you don't give it, somebody else will give it to us because we've already made a good investment. We did all the things that we've just been talking about correctly. Yep. Right. We found the house in the neighborhood that was hot, that we would be able to have the argument. And in this example, the corner lot was in our favor. Right. We had the style of home. We had everything where we should have just been confident that we made the right purchase and not just be so willing to try to cash out on it. Right. And everything in the neighborhood, even throughout the course of the project, this was a big one. This was like the leaning tower of Pisa. Yeah. If I remember correctly, it literally was leaning. Do you, I mean, yeah, I think was, part of why we, de we, I'm going to say devalued our ARV is because we had to put so much time and, and money into the structure of that, of that home mm -hmm. to get it right. Cause it literally was leaning like don't, how the fuck don't lean we, up against God, the other side of that house. That was in, I mean, to get into that crawl space, Remember we had to do, we did the sleepers on the floor joists up, up on the second floor. Uh, on, yeah. yeah the we, second, yeah just so to make level floors. We just had to true the floors. They were, everything was so cockeyed upstairs. Yeah. There was so much work behind the walls and, and, and sub Wasn't floor. Wasn't there a kitchen upstairs too? Well, it was, it was a, it was, it was up a down split, duplex. It was an up down duplex. Yeah. Um, with a really rickety deck. In fact, do you remember the deck? Lala and I on the deck and it started to, it started to fall as we're standing on it. And he goes <laughs> yeah. running like a little, like a little <laughs> crybaby, like, ah! You know, he goes, I don't blame him because it was going to fall. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, Evan, we've got a problem here. Yeah. We got a great deal on it when we bought yeah. it. I mean, we, we, that, so that spread was insane. We, we were confident in that because we, we, we bought it so cheaply. Mm -hmm. There's, we have so much room 
And I think once we got into it, we're like, ooh, 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 you know, mm-hmm. we, you know, once our engineer came out and I was like, I have issue with this, I have issue with that. Here's what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. We started saying, all right, let's let's not move that we number. We also there. had all the historic. We had, we had to deal with the historic district. We had to do a garage. Like, this seems Ugh. like a high risk, even though there's all this initial spread. We were it. getting a lot of, yeah. a lot of, I would call a little bit of pushback from mm-hmm. the neighbor. Remember the neighbor across the street who was renting, by the way, and yeah. I don't know why he gave two shits about anything, yeah. Yeah. but he's he called the city. On- okay, um, I think we figured this out. We had a mini technology explosion. Evan's computer blew up on itself or threw up on itself. One of the two. Started smoking. Sirens going off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. World War Three. Too happened. much roadblocks. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. But I, it's up and running. And uh, I'll do fabulous editing later. <laughs> so we were basically talking about don't be afraid to make a profit. Right. Right. You're making. And you're in this to make money. We were using an example of a flip that we just called cedar and it had all these additional equations big structural issues big engineering things historic historic uh, district we had to deal with to deal with neighbors and all of this and that kind of created a situation where like let's just try to get it but we let's just try to get out and make our money right and we made good money but the reason you were bringing that up was because we could have made a lot more Yes. And if we were just yes. confident in what we bought, confident in our process and confident that we wore that house that was going to sell quickly and we had it way under contract from the beginning and we had clients on that one where they were part of our process yep. and we were afraid to scare them off. We just weren't confident enough that we did all the right things and we left a lot of money on the table. Yeah. We still did a great job and we still delivered a great house to our client. And we still made a lot of money, so in that regard, it was successful. But to your point, you know, you're in this to make money, right? And if you've done all the work up front correctly, finding the right house, working your money correctly, and if that just means like, damn, I made, a, I want to make a lot, of, then that's your money, right? That's that's how it is, and you don't just have to say, look, if I can just get out of this, and it is scary to have your money out. It, yeah. Or have other people's money out is even, even to be scarier. honest with you, even scarier. Absolutely. Um, I'll squander all kinds of money, <laughs> right? But somebody else's money is, is scary. That's a whole um, different situation. So, yeah. look, if we can give some sort of takeaway, I think we can kind of put a bow on house flipping first conversation. Is I think Shane and I really just wanted to try to give some sort of building block for your mental space. Right. Right that forget about the equations and all of this stuff, but getting your money together, how to start the process of looking for a home, what you should be evaluating, making sure you're on the right side of the argument, not arguing, arguing why your house should be valued as, but being the other end of that argument, right? If you're going to have two, two houses on the market, you don't want to be the one saying, well, let me, tell you why this house should be worth this. You want to be the one that's like, well, if I'm going to buy your house for 500 grand, why wouldn't I buy that one? Right. And you want to be the air quote, that one, that one. Right. Um, and then once you're in it, make money, right? Don't sometimes over design and do stuff. Just make your money right. And remove your ego from it and be super objective and, um, 
stick to a plan and then execute it as execute best as you can. Yep. yep. And there's going to be things that come up a lot. Obviously, you know, you're going to spend extra money somewhere you don't want to. You got to make an adjustment on the fly. Um, you know, especially the, a lot of the homes that we did, they were older, much older. Yeah. And you just got to expect that's going to come up. Yeah. Wow. Are you doing a wheelie on your table? That's, yeah. I like I that. I don't know. I, see, man, we're like a hot mess over <laughs> here. Gee, man, I got the table so flipping over. Oh, I'm just trying to get flipping, comfy. I'm trying over. to, I'm taking my flip flops off. I'm just going <laughs> to, ah. Jesus criminy. Um, so put a bow on it. Just, just for this episode. Um, I mean, hot points. One, got to understand an ARV. Yep. Um, stick to what you know, especially out, you know, right out the gate as you're mm-hmm. getting started. Um, we talked about staying local, uh, neighborhoods that you know. Do your research locally. Ask lots of questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Network. Um, be patient. Be honest with yourself every time. Don't try and don't try and force a project because you you know you may be right. You could probably shrink. One of the line items in a budget, do you want to really do that? No, you don't want to do that. Um, and then don't be afraid to make money because you're doing this to make money. Yeah. And don't romanticize about it. I've used that word a couple times. That, that to me, again, part of our, from our first episode, was a little bit of this saturation, HGTV, you know, all this. It, it does seem very romantic to buy an investment property spend four to six months maybe renovating it and you're making all the design decisions and selling it and making a bunch of money. Right. And it's just kind of like, look, it, it's a huge investment. You're investing, you know, go back to our example, the $500,000 home, you're investing $450,000 into something for 50,000 bucks, potentially Mm -hmm. like just understand that number. Take that shit serious. Yeah. It's not just, it's not fake money. It's not like, you know, if it was a pile of cash, you'd probably look at it differently. Right. But when you look at it as a piece of, uh, a number on a piece of paper, it's easy just to be like, oh, I'm going to flip a home. And, and you kind of romanticize about it. And you get to do all these great design things that you wish you could do to your own home, maybe, but you get to do them here. And, right. But one other thing we should touch on real quick before we get off this topic yeah. is the time equation. There's a yeah. little bit of a myth out there. It's like, I can do this 10 hours a week on the side. <laughs> right. Stop it. Those are people who want you to think that. So you buy their book and you do all of this. Yeah. You have to, re- all the things we're talking about, sitting down, researching, making ARVs, doing com- uh, CMAs, competitive market analysis, um, looking at buying, negotiating. And this is all before you even start a flip. Before you even get started. And then you get into all the stuff that we haven't even talked about, the actual flip, right? Right. The construction part of it, the design aspect, the decisions you make about removing walls and structural and repairing the house versus making it look pretty Mm -hmm. and all these kind of things require an immense amount of time. And even if you get through all of that, you have to go shop for the tile. You have to make the orders. You have to keep your budget. You have to, you should be doing like some form of, bookkeeping yeah um a lot of accounting that goes you have to swing by and you have to negotiate with contractors that's assuming you're not doing any of the work too i mean if you're doing some of the work and then just forget about it yeah this you should not this would be my advice you should not flip a house unless you have paid cash for it you have lots of money and you're willing to just and the spread is so large that you can just take your time you can do it when you have time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when time is on your side and there's a lot of available capital that you have, then maybe, maybe you could do it, but you can do it on the side, but you got to be real with the time. Yeah. And busy. you're going to be busy and, and you're not going to have weekends. You're not going to have nights. You know, like yeah. if you're trying to do, if you're trying to work and do this, it's not five hours a week. Like everybody on YouTube is trying to tell you to buy their book. You, you can't, it's not possible to run a project and not be present. No. It's not possible. It's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you spent 10 hours picking out the right tile, right? And you've spent no time making sure you got the right tiler. Exactly. <laughs> right. And yes. all of a sudden you're like beautiful tile. That is horribly late. What did you do to the floor? Yeah, and you're just like, oh my god, that never happened to us. That we actually have really good. We had craftsmen, except that Josh guy. That Josh guy is a what a what a (laughs) idiot. Um, (laughs) Joke. No, I'm not joking. I'm just kidding. Come Um, find him. I can give you the address. We have some people ask us questions. So yeah, we have. Excuse me. We have Jessica. Jessica. From Chicago. Thank you for listening, Jessica. Thank you for listening, Jessica. Um, you sent me a lot of questions. <laughs> we don't have enough time to go through all these. They're great questions. Um, is professional wrestling real? <sighs> it is, Jessica, by the way. It is. What old Jessica asked? Um, gosh. Throw a dart. Pick one. Let's see. I like this one. If you could choose one or the other, which would it be? Jaeger? Or beer. Ooh, beer. Well, that's easy for me, Jaeger. I love oh, licorice. Oh, God. You're one of those guys? I'm one of those guys. Am I guys. getting to know you right now? <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe. Jaeger over beer? Oh, yeah. You like Jaeger? I love Jaeger. Oh. It's it's cheap, and it tastes like licorice candy. Oh, so I'm, I know black I'm in the minority candy. there. What are you, 80? <laughs> get, I'm get, look at me. Black licorice you watch candy. me walk in here. You also, uh, what's the butterscotch candy? Do you like hard candy? No, I don't like that. Yeah. I'm not that saltwater taffy. Oh, I like that. Jesus, gross. All right. Okay, how about a, how about right, a one wait. that relates to the industry? Um, <laughs> have you ever considered real estate building makeover or renovations, like a brewery or a restaurant renovation? Yes, and we have done one. Yeah. But is she asking in what like in what capacity? Like would we would we take on a commercial contracted construction job? Yeah. Or I think would that's, you yeah. I think yeah. that's where she's going. Hundred percent. Would that be fun for you? Because right now I'm in the middle of one. Yeah. Um, I don't like commercial work. I actually it's a completely different animal. Mm, Not mm-hmm. only just because it's commercial versus residential, but it's also your you design a home for you to live in and you design right. a commercial space to attract people and keep them there. Yeah. So there's a little bit, there's a little bit of a difference there too. Um, there's a lot of similarities in what is aesthetically pleasing, but sometimes when you're thinking about designing a Somewhat, space, yeah. um, one's kind of designs for function and form and the other one is kind of just comfort and right. functionability. So did I just say the same thing? Um, no function and form. No versus comfort. No, you got it. Yeah, that's, okay. yeah, you got that right. Um, hell yeah, though. Yeah, some of the most beautiful, some of the most like beautifully designed places are commercial places. You know, I've I've seen some really good ones. Um, I just, you know, my my father was a, a commercial developer for forty plus years, so I I kind of grew up watching a lot of that stuff, and I just. 
and I even was in, in it a little bit. I mean, there was, especially right after college, I kind of was, that's kind of what I was doing in the commercial market. I just, there's not the same drive for me, at least on the, on the build side mm -hmm. to do that. Like, again, like I said, I'm doing it right now and, and there's some cool aspects of it, but overall I, I'm, I'm a residential builder. I, I yeah. think that's where I prefer yeah. what I consider it. It probably depends on the situation, but I think, you know, it, you could make it fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe if you were involved, it would be more fun. Yeah, there's agree. The design agree. aspect would be interesting. It's always more fun. Um, there was there's, she had one more that I wanted to look <laughs> at that actually would be a good one for you. Commercial? What's your biggest tip for a DIY home m home makeover enthusiast? God, I cannot read today. Who will follow your podcast? And will we port, post more DIY videos of our jobs? Y yes, that is certainly going to happen. I actually got a YouTube channel up. Um, more of those will happen. Well, the whole shop. Why don't you talk about the shop? The shop, certainly. And that's, I think that's probably. It's kind of in that DIY category where you're custom building things for the home. Right. And there's, there's lots of, like we've talked about before, there's lots of things that you can get into with simple power tools and simple hand tools that you can do around the home to make it spruce up. You're, you're a great example of someone that could give tips on that because of all the little things that are just a, splash of paint there with this kind of trim or a wood accent wall that, you know, I think people are kind of getting into that kind of stuff too, but there's little tiny things. You'd be amazed how small of a little project you could do that would people would walk in and go, Oh my God, you're, you got a brand new kitchen. The best right? thing, if I really had to like gun to my head, figure out the, you know, what I would say to answer that question would be yeah. paint. Yeah. Paint can go so far Absolutely. in changing the, in, and it's something almost every homeowner can do. Right. Um, I think it's somewhere like for every gallon of paint, potentially you're adding a thousand in equity, which is not necessarily true, but that's the idea that if I, if I get 20 gallons of paint and I appropriately paint my house with some sort of purpose, then the painting brick, painting wood, and I, I'm, so these are things that someone like you would be as a true craftsman, like, oh my God, please don't paint the wood. But when you're doing something that's dated. I'm a carpenter by heart, so yeah, it's hard for me to see it's, that. You can change the way an entire house looks and feels with a can of paint. Right. No, I 100% I agree. And that's interior and exterior for interior sure. Interior and exterior. Yeah. Um, the other thing would be sticking to non-trade stuff. So if you're a DIYer, mm -hmm. paint is not really a DIY. You're not really getting out a skill saw and trying to give it a go. No, but there's a there's a specific way to correct correctly. Why can't I talk right now? Correctly paint Jaeger. too, right? Jaeger, Tom, Jaeger machine would be a good idea in here no, too. Terrible. Um, <laughs> this guy would never get through a podcast. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm not even on it now. Um, but there's a, there's, there's the right and wrong way. I mean, there certainly is. And that's not to say that it's not easy to learn. Right. I mean, maybe that's another little video we tip we could do as far as how to paint trim mm -hmm. kinds of brushes. I mean, mm -hmm. you know about all that stuff, mm -hmm. um, spray versus roll when to do it. Take a, take a, well, hold on, so th think about this. Take a kitchen remodel. For example, you're okay. a DIYer. Think of her question. Uh -huh. You have old oak cabinets. Mm, yes. Okay. So without relocating anything, painting your cabinets, getting new poles, right? Um, changing out a light fixture mm -hmm. and you've spent 
500 bucks in your kitchen and it looks different. Right. It may not be updated, but it looks different. Yeah. It absolutely. looks better. Yep. Um, is another easy one. Backsplash. Backsplash. Yeah. So to like, if you want to completely like, Oh my God, I hate this kitchen. Maybe the long-term play is blow it up, move your kitchen from this wall to that wall, yep. put your Island in, remove a wall like that's okay. Hold on. That's not a DIY or type no. thing, but if you want to, the best thing you could do is think of paint and think of things that you can swap out. Maybe that would be my answer. Paint and swapping things out. You can go a long way swapping out a light fixture or something that has more drama. Um, turn off the power before you take a light off. Yes. Please. Or, you know, don't give it a whirl. Hey, um, everybody gets that zapped at least once. But pulls, paint, Things of that sort, changing outdoors can sometimes make, you know, little things that are really within a, you, those things you can YouTube, how yes. to take a door off. Yes. Right. Um, Correctly and put it back on and put it back on, uh -huh. um, how to put up uh, wallpaper. Right. Right. Mm, you know, add texture to your house uh -huh. by m switching out a material, you know, things of that sort, but paint and things that you can swap in and out would probably be the best way to make a biggest impact for your house that you can do without having to go out and hire somebody. I, and that's all something I think everybody can do. So that would probably be my suggestion is really tip. look at paint. Yeah. Paint, paint can change a lot of things Yeah, and shock a lot of people. We've yeah. certainly cheated that one. I mean, you're literally putting lipstick on a pig. So yeah. yeah. Have you ever tried that? Uh, this morning when I was getting ready, <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about yourself, right? Uh, sure. Um, I try to, I try to put a button up shirt on for you today. You, yeah, it's, yeah. sure. I put deodorant on for you today. Oh, thank I you. I appreciate that. It's, it's in a bigger room. And hey, so it's all for you, man. Oh, um, you go to, to please me. What else? we got any other questions from Jessica? That, you know, that's it. I think, um, you know, I got those a are good ones. I got a question, uh, that was lobbed at me. I'm not going to read it. So I'll just kind of take a stab at it. But, um, the question was kind of, if you're a average person, it's kind of the same thing as Jessica, mm -hmm. right? And you're not had, an average person, Jessica. No, I said that terrible. <laughs> I don't know. She might be average. I, mm -hmm. She might not be. I disagree. Um, if I have $50,000, what should I do with that in terms of, should I spend it on my house? Should I use that to go flip a house? Should I go to Vegas? <laughs> yeah. Should and when talking about real estate and talking about construction, bang for your buck, because I think that's where a lot of people are. They have some equity in their home. The economy has been better over the last four or five years. Values have gone up. People who bought at the right time have equity in their home. If I was going to take it out, should I put it in my house? Should I look at a second investment property? Should I flip a home? Should I keep it in there? I don't have a lot, but I could take out 50 grand in my house. Mm -hmm. What should I do with it? So that was something. Mm. that I was lobbed at and, or what is your opinion? Give it to Bailey custom homes. <laughs> yeah. Um, 50 so grand, huh? 50 grand. Well, Oh, maybe we should save that one. Put it in the stock market. I wouldn't do that. Mm. Give it to Bailey custom homes. I think I've said that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Why don't we save that one? Okay. Let's do that. Let's 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 bring that back on let's episode three. Let's bring that three. one back. Let's, little cliffhanger like for you guys to listen. Whole, it's whole. 
conversation because yeah. there that gets into should you buy another should you use that as a down payment to buy another home right that you airbnb out right. or you make it a rental property because values are going up in certain places or right should i invest that back in my home and then now get x value maybe i can take a hundred out next time so maybe that can be its own thing yeah i got it I got a couple thoughts there. I think I'll just, you know, Chew tease you guys with that and, and we'll, we'll bring that up for episode three. So I guess you're going to have to tune in to find um, out. The last thing, because I, I was thinking about a story. We should always end a podcast because we have so many. Oh, and Evan's stories. a great storyteller. Just, just, just know that we have to. No, I don't, we don't want have to make three more hours. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this would be a little on cue to house flipping. Mm, okay. And it was when we had a broker open at Harvard, which was our very first house which we had trouble selling, which was Cookies. the HGTV episode, uh-huh. the whole thing. We had a broker open, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but I got into a d- heated discussion with some random broker that came was through. Was it Dale? Th- was it Dale? I don't know. That sounds really I'll let you keep going. Who told me the house was unsellable. <gasps> ah. Remember that whole thing? Yes. Name? And was that Harvard? That was Harvard. Okay. I remember because I, I remember chased this. him out. Yeah, yeah. Because I was, I With couldn't let it go. Because <laughs> I felt like house. he came to our broker open and he was just eating our cookies and That's food. That's right. And then Mooching, just yes. when I went to him to look for his advice in terms of a potential listing price, which is all we were looking, in your opinion, what do you think this house should be listed for? Right. And he says, it's unsellable. It's unsellable. And I'm looking at this beautiful mid-century modern uh-huh. home, and I'm like, I'm sorry? He's like, it's unsellable. And then, like, just, I don't know. I, I think it was his whole demeanor, too, is he's, like, stuffing another cookie in his face. Right. Like, I was... Eating all of our food. And I kind of said, well, okay, so your opinion goes, yeah, it's unsellable, the highway, it's unsellable. And I couldn't let it go, and I'm now I'm just, like, I'm not really even listening, but I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, 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 okay, uh, yeah, 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 okay. Let I'm me just, get my and turn. And I'm watching this guy eat more cookies, and I'm just like, this motherfucker, dude. And so I finally, like, he was starting to leave, and so I thought, I, went, I chased him down, and I was like, excuse me, um, Gary, you said it's unsellable. He's like, yeah, I think it's unsellable, man. Good cookies, though, mm, kind of thing. And I'm badass. like, Hold on a minute, man. You don't know what I bought it for. You don't know what I put into right. it. You don't know anything about it. You just came in here. You saw something. You saw the highway, and you said it was unsellable. What if I told you it was a dollar? Would you buy it for a dollar? And he looks at me, and he's like, of course, but don't be ridiculous. You're not selling it for a dollar. No, no, no. Okay, hold on. Would you buy it for $100? Look, that's a $5,000 range we have in there. Right, so right. you should buy it for at least five. You can strip that out. It'll come with the fridge too. You sure. can probably sell that on Craigslist. Would you buy it for five thousand? He's like, of course I'd buy it for five thousand. And he goes, but that's not, uh, you know, come on, this is ridiculous. And I said, it's not ridiculous. <laughs> I said, would you buy it for a hundred thousand? Uh-huh. It's on a third of an acre, right? It has all this. And he's like, of course I'd buy. It. I said, so then when I ask you, when we invite you to come here. And we let you eat our cookies and our sandwiches, and we're Pick just looking nose. for you. Yeah. And you give me this lazy response that it's unsellable, right? It's not unsellable. I said, so would it be, and we had this first conversation of worth versus value. Yeah. Where I was like, I'm not asking you what you think it's worth to you. You would never live here because of the highway. But I'm asking you to help me establish a value, right? And... If you're a mid-century modern enthusiast and you're looking for one that's over 2,000 square feet, which is an easy, 
right. especially with the mid-century community here. Most right. of them are under 2,000 square foot. I'm the only damn house in the city mm-hmm. of this quality of a mid-century modern over, not only over two, over 3,000 square Big feet. Big house, two-story. And yeah. he's like, there's nothing comparable comp-wise that would say this. And I said, again, and this goes kind of to our story, I was making arguments for why my house should be worth something or valued something. It has a value. It has a value. And I said, so if you pulled up the MLS and you look for all the available mid-century modern homes, you'd go to like Crisana Park, Harvey Park. All those are almost the same price as my house, right? But they're half the square footage right. of the same finished quality. So if you're looking for a mid-century modern house, you're going to say to me, or you're, uh, we're hoping that would happen, which is part of the problem. You shouldn't hope, but not a good. This strategy. was my argument to him, that you can say, well, why would I buy that mid-century modern in Harvey or in Crisana Park for four hundred eighty thousand? That is thirteen hundred square feet. That's done in traditional mid-month mid-mod architecture and design. Mm-hmm. When I can buy this one for four hundred eighty thousand, that is thirty-two hundred square feet on a third of an acre. Right. And so that was the argument we were playing. But the reason I tell that story is because it was the first time we were starting to evaluate worth versus value. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was worth it. And I think the broker's argument was that we were looking for him to give us a piece of advice on value. Right. And we were having this headbutting moment where we were kind of talking about two different things. And he's saying it won't be worth it to anybody to ever buy this. It's not that it's unsellable Mm -hmm. because we sold it. Right. So therefore it's sellable. Clearly sellable. And it sold again. And it sold again. Yeah. For more. For more. Which we... Good job. Yeah. Good job. Well, pat ourselves on the back. We we had it right. We just didn't know what we were doing. But I don't know. I remember that as this real key moment that happened for at least me. Right. Where... You know, I was having to lob these arguments, kind of like we're advising against now. Mm -hmm. But it also brought up this other kind of unnoticed point of worth versus value. Right. And it's important, I think, for home flippers or potential home flippers to kind of establish that. What do you think the value is and what do you think it's worth it to somebody? And sometimes you can play off of either one. Right. I don't think it'll ever actually be valued this. Again, don't be afraid of making a profit, but Uh I think it's going to be worth it to somebody. Yeah. And so I'm going to ask for it. And see what happens. And then know that I can always come down to its potential value or vice versa. Um, I don't think it's worth it, but I know that the market will support the value and therefore we can move forward on what we think the value is. And when you're thinking about an ARV, an after repair value, mm-hmm. you have to look at the value part of it. And you might determine that I think the ARV is 500,000, but I think it might be worth it to 550. Perfect example. Remember when they were expanding the hospital out there off of Colfax? Yeah. And we knew that they were going to spend billions of dollars making this new medical center. And so we knew that, okay, then there's a good possibility that the houses around there are going to dramatically go up in value as doctors and nurses and technicians and physician assistants and all these people were going to be working there and they might want to move closer to their work. There's a need, equal problem, find a solution. Absolutely. Or all of a sudden Colorado starts selling a ton of weed and they're going to earmark some of the taxes for infrastructure and for uh, transportation. So that means they're going to expand the light rails and a new light rail station is going to go up somewhere in what appears to be a crappy neighborhood in Lakewood. And you're like, hold on a sec. 
the house may be only worth 200,000 bucks, but, or, or valued at $200,000, but I think it's going to be worth a lot more here soon because now this neighborhood directly has access to public transit to get into downtown, Yeah, whatever it is. So take that stuff into consideration too, when you're looking at evaluating a property is what is it worth? Or what do you think it's potentially worth to somebody? And what do you think its actual value is? The ARV should be off of value. The value right. of the home. It has to appraise. It has to do these things. But the amount of money you make, you can enter in the worth thing. Right. I don't think it should be this. But I've always wanted barn doors. Mm-hmm. Or I've always wanted soapstone. And so the house may not be valued it, but it's my dream home and it's worth me spending more. And the house that I'm flipping now is a perfect example. I don't think the ARV is 600,000. There's a house two doors down that is just sold for $600,000. And it's almost a perfect comp square foot, bed, bath, finished quality. That house to me, the one that I'm buying and flipping I don't think it's valued at 600000 That house, I believe, was sold because somebody was relocating and all of this, and it also had solar. It was kind of green. Okay. Um, that it was worth it to him yep. to spend six hundred. Yep. Right? And so I can't base my decision financially on investing in this house on that. That, that, that was a comp based off of worth, not value. It helps my value. Sure, certainly. But I can't say now that my house is worth six hundred grand. No. No. It's valued still. Might it helps, but there is a play between worth and value. Yeah, and it goes into decision making. And that that's broker. Um, that was the first time I really found myself having that discussion with somebody, where he's saying, "No, no, no, it might be worth it to a buyer, but I'm helping you establish value." Right. And then I would say, "Well, then what's the value?" And he would say, "Because then you're making an unsellable statement, and that's a worth statement, man." Right. Right. So which side of the fence are you on? You can't just conveniently step your toe on both sides. Either tell me what you think the value is, which clearly is more than a dollar. Right. But you're making a worth one. And I'm telling you, well, I think it's worth it for a mid mod enthusiast to want to buy this. And then now you're conveniently saying, well, you can't establish a value that way. So and I was also my first place where brokers started the process of driving me nuts. Um, But. Anyways, I thought I wanted to share the story because it felt very appropriate a little bit that we've gone through those moments. Oh, yeah. And um, they're all learning moments. You're going to learn a lot. Yeah. And sometimes that hurts the pocketbook. But, you know, yeah. that's part of the game. And it's part of the game. If you like risk, it's you like stress. Yeah. You like adrenaline. Yeah. And there you go. Yeah. And at the... Hopefully you'll make a good decision if you want to do it, and I look forward to your electrician falling through your ceiling. God, tell me how. Where's where's the equation for that? What YouTube video do you when have? You see for that legs one? dangling through your finished finished ceiling. Like I got the perfect equation here, and is that my electrician's legs? Yes, yes. So call the drywall guy back. Yes. Yeah. Don't worry, your drywaller can fix that. Yeah. Oh God, Jesus Christ. Well, don't you have a drywaller coming in? It doesn't mean I want to pay him to do more He's work. He's been here. It's been painted. Uh, don't get us started on that. Oh, no. All right, man. You want to put a bow in this bitch? Let's wrap her up. And uh, looking forward to episode three. Yeah, I think we're going to start bringing guests in. Yep. We're going to start having people to come in here. We'll, um, again, 
thank you for all the people who listened to the podcast before. We had a lot of support. Uh, we got a lot of great feedback. Uh, it is available on iTunes now. That's where, that's if right. you want to support us, that's where we want you guys to go. Smash that subscribe button on iTunes, Built by Please. Bailey's podcast. Um, we're going to have a lot more. Probably pumping a few more out a little quicker now that we, uh, I think we have it figured out. I mean, yeah. feel confident, don't you? As we're probably had some sort of technology break yeah this, I, but we're getting you know, better well, well that's why we need to wrap it up anyway we need to chernobyl with your computer send we're us more questions reach out to us right. you can reach out to me at fbales at yahoo.com shane what's your email shane at baileycustomhome.com no s on home um you can go to the website baileycustomhome.com built by bailey's podcast uh look for it on itunes episode two is a wrap episode three coming soon And again, we uh, appreciate everybody for the support and looking forward to more. All right. Love you guys. Thanks, guys. Bye.